Good morning, South Potomac. God bless everybody that is here. It's so good to, to see everyone today. You know, God gave us a gift in Jesus Christ and gave us a gift in a, a new day today. I'm, I'm, I'm still uh, just in a, in, a, in a, I guess, a spirit of worship right now. Um, the praise team was just awesome this morning. I'm, I'm stink still thinking about these, these floodgates being open. You know, open up the, the floodgates, open up the heavens, we want to see you, open up the floodgates, a, a mighty river. And then just thinking about the fact that God is mighty to save each and every one of us. You know, the fact that he didn't have to, he didn't even have to do it, but God loved us so much that he wanted to save us. Savior that can move mountains, meaning that he can move the troubles in our life. Anything that we're, we're going through, I mean, that's a God worth worshiping this morning. Knowing that he is mighty to save, the song said that Jesus conquered, conquered the grave. Oh, hallelujah. That's a God worth worshiping this morning. Knowing that he didn't just keep it to himself, but he saw it fit to be in relationship with each and every one of us. Knowing where we are. And just loving us enough. It is only God that's that's mighty to save. It, it, it has absolutely to do nothing to do with anything that we could do. But just knowing that it's all about his love for us. And so, Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, on, on this morning, Lord, I just want to thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for your protection, God. Thank you for just giving us a new day, God. Even though we're in a time of a, of a holiday right now, God, Lord, we are here to celebrate you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. God, thank you for the daily bread that you give us. Oh, God, thank you for clothes, shelter, family food in spite of everything that's going around God God you saw it fitting to send your son Jesus Christ to die for our sins to be buried to conquer the grave to resurrect and to ascend and so, God, I worship you this morning. As the psalmist says, God, that there is none like you. I could travel the whole earth, God, and just realize that there is none like you. In all the earth. In the entire world, God. 
in the universe. There is none like you, God. And so, Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing, God. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. Please minister to our minds this morning. Please minister to our hearts this morning, God. Thank you for being the savior of our lives. Thank you for being mighty to save God. Thank you for being the light to our darkness, God. Lord, reveal yourself to us in a mighty way. And I thank you for that on this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Recently, Pastor Dave concluded a powerful series, an amazing series on, on grace. And I know at least for me, that series came just at a, God just seems to know what you need when you need it. From conversations that I've had with other people and from things that I saw on, on social media, it seemed like that message of grace, that message of hope, that message of mercy helped so many of us. And I'm so thankful. Because sometimes we, 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 we get distracted, we kind of get off-centered. And that message on grace just kind of steered us back and brought us back to where we need to be, just realizing that none of us are perfect and that we can all use some grace from God. You know, early on in, in my salvation, my father-in-law, he, he told me that there are two types of people in this world. And a couple of weeks ago, it was interesting that, that Dave kind of added it to his message also, but my father-in-law told me many, many years ago, he says, Sadiq, there are two types of people in this world. He said, it's not about men and women. It's not about old and young, rich and poor. We get excited on Sundays. It's not about Skins fans and Eagles fans. It's not about Steelers fans and Ravens fans. It's not about Prince fans, Michael Jackson fans, the most beautiful girl in the world, Billie Jean. It's not about meat eaters and vegetarians. It's not about people that like salt in their grits or people that like sugar in their grits. Said it's not about Democrats and Republicans. It's not about Americans and everybody else. It's not about gay and straight. But the two types of people in this world are those that are saved and those that are not. The two types of people in this world are saved people and, and unsaved people. And so for the next several weeks, we are going to make it so abundantly clear. Because we're a church that believes in Jesus Christ as Savior, we are going to make it so abundantly clear what this idea of salvation is. My working definition for salvation this, this morning is that salvation is the new life 
of a person through their faith in Jesus Christ by his grace. It's the new life of a person through their faith in Jesus Christ by his grace. The word says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When you're talking to anyone that's, that's been at this church for a long time, they, they can tell you. It doesn't have to be Pastor Dave. It doesn't have to be me or one of the elders or a ministry leader or a staff member. But anybody that's been here for a while can attest to the fact that the subject of salvation is so important because whether you're saved or unsaved, it is important to know that everyone has sinned. The word says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. And it's important not only because all have sinned, but our sin has kept us separated from God. It's critical for all Christians to know that everyone has sinned. That includes the person that you're looking at up here. And our sin has kept us separated from God. And the word declares that not only does our sin keep us separated from God, but the wages of our sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So all have sinned. Our sin keeps us separated and the wages of sin. Is death. It's important to understand about salvation that it deals with the total work of God, the total work of God in your life. It's a free gift, as the word says, it's a free gift given to everyone that wants to receive it. Salvation, it, it communicates healing. It communicates safety. It communicates protection. It communicates his love. Salvation, it, it involves grace. It involves mercy. It involves faith. It involves some other concepts that we'll start to talk about over the next several weeks. It, it involves regeneration. It involves propitiation. It involves conviction. Salvation itself, it manifests the very nature and the character of God. And so from a very fundamental standpoint, it is critical for us to have a good understanding of what salvation is. The first thing is that salvation reveals God's love for us. The word says one of the very first scriptures that Christians memorize is for God so loved the world. That he gave us a gift. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting 
life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God did not send Jesus Christ into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because he loves us. Because of his grace. But he sent his son into the world to save the world through him. The word says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe, saved and unsaved, whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And so salvation, it, it reveals God's love for us, that he was willing to go above and beyond the call of duty. To send a piece of himself. To die for our sins. Salvation also reveals God's grace. It reveals his grace, his love, his grace. We know that it is by grace through faith. The word says in Ephesians 2, but because of his great love for us. Why did he do it? But because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. So that no one can boast, but because of his great love for us, he revealed his love. He revealed his grace. But salvation is also important because it reveals God's holiness. In first Peter 1, 13 through 16, he says, therefore, with minds that are alert. And fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy. Because I am holy. So in other words, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you're thinking about. In spite of all of that, God still loves you. In spite of, in spite of everything that you've gone through, in spite of what you're going through right now, God decided to give you grace. He decided to be in the midst of the holiness throughout your entire experience. And he encourages you, be holy because I am holy. Ephesians 2, 8 again, and for it is by grace through faith that you have been saved. It's not of yourselves. In other words, you really don't have much to do with this. But it is the gift of God. Yes, he needs your faith, but it is really because of his love, really because of his grace. 
that you have been saved. This morning, I really want to just just work this concept of, of salvation. Because it's a message for believers and unbelievers alike. A lot of times when we think about salvation, we automatically just think about people that are unsaved. But no, God is actually saving people that have already believed and confessed. The first type of salvation I want to talk about is called justification. Justification is known as the declaration of being righteous before God as judge. In other words, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our sin kept us separated from God. The wages of our sin is death. God presented us before himself. And instead of saying, you know what, you are guilty. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. And said, I'm going to take the penalty. For your sin. That justification declared you as being righteous. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because of his grace. Why? Because of his holiness. Justification, it gets triggered by our faith. Paul said, for we maintain, Romans 3.28, for we maintain. In other words, it wasn't something that he came up with, but he was just continuing the exact same point that Jesus Christ was making. For we maintain this consistent message. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. In other words, everything that you try to do That couldn't get it done, but it was by your faith in his grace. That was the message that he maintained. How long did he maintain it? He maintained it throughout eternity. In other words, in the Old Testament, people that that needed salvation, it was because they of their faith. They looked ahead towards what was coming in the cross. It was by their faith. And after Jesus Christ, people look back on the cross to reflect, to understand that it is through God's grace, by our faith, that we have been saved. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that means there is more. Our justification, it gives us peace with God. He said, therefore, since we have been justified, Through faith. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he 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 determined that we would need some peace, some peace that would surpass any type of understanding. And so we have this peace with God through our Lord. Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? It means that no matter what you have done. Through God, he can give you peace over whatever happened in the past. See, I don't know if you guys are, are, are like me. Sometimes I used to put myself in, in positions where I would beat myself up just looking back, knowing that I knew better. Try to forgive yourself. That's hard work. But through our faith in Jesus Christ, he gives us peace just knowing that one, 
Salvation communicates that he forgave us. And he's communicating that he wants you to be at peace with whatever has gone on in your life. Why? Because of his love. Because of his grace. Because of his holiness. The peace of God, it, it, it comforts us to let us know that in spite of our sins, God has delivered us from the penalty of the sin. Paul continued, he said, since we have now been justified by his blood, we just talked about that in communion. Now that we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? When I was not saved, when I was in the category of the, the unsaved, this group of believers that I used to get into these debates with, once I finally made that decision, they took me over to the Romans 10, 9, and 10. The praise team read it earlier. He said, for if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He's mighty to save. Jesus conquered the grave. That you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe. And are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith. And are saved. So just keeping it as simple as possible. If you want to be justified, if you want to be free from the penalty of sin, all you have to do is believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you will be saved. We're not making the assumption that everybody in here has made that decision. So if you need to be justified in Christ, that's all you have to do is just believe. And confess. I really love verse 11 in this. It says, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. It doesn't mean that anyone who believes in him is just automatically going to have a perfect life. That's not what it says. And so we're very clear, we're very honest in our communication with people that are coming to the Lord to let them understand that, no, life will not be perfect, but God will give you peace. And God will not put you to shame. There's somebody that I, I look up to in the faith. He's a big brother in the, in the faith. And, you know, you ask him how he's doing, he'll tell you that I'm doing better than I deserve. Why are you doing better than you deserve? Why? Because all have sinned. Sin have ke has kept me separated from God. The wages of my sin is death. And God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There is absolutely no shame in that because I have received justice for something that I do not deserve. No, there's no shame in that. 
Paul put it this way. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew. And also to the Greek. So nah, life might not be perfect. But the fact that God knows us, the fact that God predestined us, the, God, the fact that God called us, the fact that God justified us, the fact that the story did not end just there and that he's still doing the work in our lives. That communicates to me that I'm certainly doing better than I deserve. And there's no shame in that. Anyone who believes in him will never, ever, ever be put to shame. The second type of salvation that I want to talk about this morning is known as sanctification. And this tends to be where we are in need of those of us that are believers. Sanctification is the process of being set apart and consecrated to God. In other words, your sanctification process, what God is doing, he is setting you apart from something and setting you apart to something. In other words, that sanctification process is trying to call you out of some of the things that you may have done in your past when you were unsaved. And it's trying to set you apart to a better life. See, when I was saved, I was after I had, was justified, after I believed, after I confessed, that salvation process did not stop in my life because it's a continuous process. So I was being sanctified the minute that I was saved. Even right now, I'm still being sanctified and I will continue to be sanctified until I'm in the glorious state of God, until I'm with him. For eternity. Sanctification is, is, is really important because there's a daily battle that we must fight. I'm fighting every day. You're fighting every day. Paul put it like this in Romans 7. He said, when looking at this, this, this daily battle, he was, he was just just dealing with just the internal conflict. And so what he said was, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. So the sin isn't gone. No. We're still battling. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, it is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good. But I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. 
So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Although my heart's desire, because I love God, I want to do good, but evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God. Who delivers me through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. And even though you still have that sinful nature in my sinful nature, I'm a slave to the law of sin. And so sanctification is important because there's a daily fight that we must go through. And because of the presence of sin and because God is holy, we can't please God when we're controlled by sin. The word says those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Sanctification is also important because it motivates us not to give in to worldly desires. Here's that message on grace again coming from Titus. He said, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation, has offered, offered salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because it was him who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. You see, when you were justified. God made you alive again in Christ Jesus. You were dead. And justification makes you alive again. And the reason sanctification is so important is because it motivates you. It helps you do better in this world. And so when we talk about this concept of salvation, it is for the saved and the unsaved alike. It is very important to understand that, no, we are not perfect. But he will motivate us to follow after him. You know, when I when I talk to, to, to people about God. Sometimes I, I, I get real excited just when I when I think back about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. I'm serious. Sometimes I just lose myself. And then sometimes I'm fighting emotion. Sometimes I'm fighting the tears when I think about the fact that he loved me so much. 
that he decided to do something for me that I could not, not only would not, but that I could not do for myself. Sometimes when I'm talking to people, they kind of know that they need to come to the Lord. But sometimes their position is, Sadiq, I'll do it, but I got to get myself together first. If that is you or any of your friends, here's the fact. That's a myth. You can't get yourself together first. You're a sinner. You're inadequate. Only because of God's love, only because of God's grace, his holiness, that is the only thing that can change your life. It is he that will sanctify you. It, this has absolutely, believe it or not, it has absolutely nothing to do with you, but it's all a part of his process, his plan. He just asked for us to believe and to confess that belief. You know, if, if I tried to get myself together before I was was saved, I don't think I would have come to Christ. Just being honest with you all and honest with myself. This wretched man right here. First of all, I was too good at cussing people out. See, I'm going to tell y'all something. I, 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 I'm from Philly. And the type of neighborhood that I grew up in, um, it required a lot of fighting. It required a lot of profanity just to survive, so I thought. If I would have tried to change my life, that just wouldn't have happened. And so one day, I had to actually believe that someone else had to be able to change this guy around. Someone else had to change you all around. And it's not because I was some great dude. Nah. But if I was cussing people out, you can imagine what was going on inside of my heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if I had a nasty tongue, you can imagine how filthy my heart was. But because of his great love, hallelujah, because of his grace, because of his holiness, when God sent his son into the world so that through the world we might be saved, he was thinking about me. He was thinking about you. You know, I still have thoughts from time to time. I'm not perfect. The beautiful part about it now is that I'm motivated not to give into the worldly desires. I might have a thought, but it doesn't mean I have to follow through on a thought. And I think that's what Paul was struggling with, is that sometimes we, we're, we're, we're battling up here before we even do anything. 
And God wants you to know that through him, he will sanctify you. He will turn your, your life around. Because it's by his grace, through our faith, that we are saved. In the 1700s, there was a, a guy by the name of William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce, he grew up, he had a, a pretty solid family upbringing, um, just wealthy. And around the age of 12, William Wilberforce, he just started spending more and more time with his aunt and his uncle, and they were evangelical Christians. And man, William really enjoyed spending some time with, with his aunt and his uncle, being exposed to scripture and just seeing life in a different way. And when he was young, his, his father passed. So his mom and his grandfather, they, they didn't want him hanging around his aunt and his uncle that much. They didn't really appreciate what they were trying to do for him. Wilberforce wasn't saved at the time, and he just kind of backed up, disengaged, doing his own thing. A few years later, his uncle and his grandfather passed, which left him tremendous wealth. I mean, he got a crazy inheritance. And like many young men, what he decided to do with his inheritance was have a great time. Started playing cards, gambling, drinking, getting into the, the whole social scene. Around this same time, it was 1777, and so around this time, just, just a year before, the United States was celebrating its independence from the area that he grew up in, is Great Britain. A few years later, Wilberforce got, it, got himself a, a buddy by the name of William Pitt. And he and William Pitt became friends, and they used to go down to the House of, of, of Commons in, the, in this British Empire. They used to go down to the House of Commons, which is kind of like the House of Representatives and the Senate here. They used to go down there and just listen to, to debates. And William Wilberforce was influenced so much, influenced by these debates so much that he decided that he wanted to take a career in politics. It's amazing how sometimes the things that you hear can influence you to do other things. The word kind of talks about that power. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So William Wilberforce, he decided that he was going to get into to politics. Him and his friend William Pitt, they started traveling Europe for years, meeting some, some great people like Benjamin Franklin. Years continued to go on. They were 
both engaged in, in Parliament. And William Pitt eventually became the prime minister, while William Wilberforce, he just continued to be the prime sinner. Still drinking, still gambling, still doing whatever it is that he wanted to do. One day they were on a journey around Europe and someone gave Wilberforce a book. And it dealt with the rise and the, 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 the call of religion inside of his soul. And that book ministered to Wilberforce. It convicted him of his past behavior. And it helped him find a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Wilberforce made a decision. He said that, you know what? I'm going to live the rest of my life to do something great in this world. I'm going to work on humanitarian efforts. That's what I'm going to spend my time doing. I can't believe and I can't control the things that I already did, but I can control what I want to do because of this new relationship that I have in God. Now, Christians, evangelical Christians, especially these, these Christians that wanted to share their faith, they weren't looked kindly upon in this area. And so Wilberforce, he struggled as a member of parliament, as a new Christian. What is it that he should now do with this new faith? He was justified, and now he's trying to go through the process of sanctification. What should I now do with this new faith? And so he talked to a couple of friends of his. One, he continued to talk to the prime minister, William Pitt. It was great that they already had a relationship. But he sought out the advice of a Christian preacher by the name of John Newton. Just five years prior to this, John Newton was heavily involved in the slave trade in that area. And he gave it up because God had ministered on his heart, had sanctified him to the point that he wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. Now I see. And so Wilberforce, he sought the advice from Newton and Pitt, and they had a counseling session with him, and they said, you know what? You should keep your vocation and stay in Parliament. But everything you do now should be about God's agenda. And so for the next several years, Wilberforce decided that he was going to be about God's agenda no matter where he went. Why am I even telling y'all this? Oh, it's coming. So Wilberforce, he labored for about 20 years just debating and trying to get other members of parliament to see things the way that he did, talking about the injustices of the, the slave trade. And one day, 
he wrote in his journal, he said, God Almighty has set before me two great objects. The suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of matters. In other words, I have a responsibility in this slave trade and I have a responsibility in the manners of the people of society. So debating for years, Wilberforce is trying to make, make change happen in the British Empire. And how was it that he was going to do this? 80% of Great Britain's foreign income came from the slave trade and slavery-grown products. By 1807, Great Britain decided to do a partial abolishment of the the slave trade. And what that meant is that publicly, we're going to say that we're not doing this anymore. But privately, we're still going to try to get whatever revenue we can from this slave trade. Seeing that the injustice was, was still there, Wilberforce decided to continue to have these debates in Parliament. In 1833, they finally decided to eradicate a slave trade throughout the entire empire. Great Britain used its influence to try to get other nations to do the exact same thing, such as the United States. Now, the United States had just broken away from their dependence on Great Britain, so they really weren't trying to listen to much of what Great Britain was, what had, had to say. But somehow an almighty God managed to influence key leaders in this country, such as President Lincoln around 1863, some 30 years after it had already been abolished. Right after it had been abolished and the, the slave trade had been abolished in Great Britain, right after, right after Wilberforce died, God allowed him to see the fruit of his work. And finally, after 1863, a couple of years later, the United States went ahead and through Congress signed the 13th Amendment to the Constitution. The reason I share this story is because this all happened because some man decided that he was going to live a sanctified life for God. He decided that he was going to be about God's agenda and not his own agenda. Because it could have been so lucrative for him to just participate financially in that. Our own sanctification process. God wants to use to do great things in our lives. In the lives of our family. In the lives of our church. In the lives of our community. In the lives of our country. In July 1776, backing up a few years, John Adams, he wrote a letter to his wife. 
He said, I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated. Talking about this Independence Day, I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. And so I celebrate Independence Day because it's really not about what this country was able to do, but about what God decided to do. So if you want to celebrate something, celebrate the fact that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins. And all you have to do is believe that's justification. That's worth a celebration this weekend. That's worth a celebration every day. If you want something to celebrate right now, as Adam said, it ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. Celebrate the fact that God delivered you out of something. He called you out of darkness. And he gave you a new life. God wants to continue to sanctify you. Why? Because he, he loves you. Why? Because of his grace. Why? Because of his holiness. And so whenever we're thinking about great things, at the end of the day, it starts and it ends with God Almighty. And so, Lord, on today, God, I pray for those that have not made the decision to believe in you, God. God, I pray that you touch their hearts. Help them understand that they can't do it on their own. They're inadequate. But God, you have the ability. You are mighty to save. God, for my brothers and sisters that are struggling with just the challenges of the world with their sinful nature, God. Lord, I pray that you help make them overcomers, God. Motivate them not to give in to the desires of this world, God. But motivate them to do great things, God. And so, Lord, if anybody needs prayer on this morning, if anybody needs help, if anybody needs just someone to touch and agree. God, I ask that you send them to the prayer corner, God. or Just have them reach out to another brother or sister to just pray for them, God. God, I ask that you just help us all celebrate how great you are, God. By continuing to put you first in all that we do. And I thank you for that on this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.